Thank you so much for being here. As you can tell, what an exciting day in the life of our church uh, and to celebrate with these families, and we are excited to be able to do that. And through baptism, right, spiritual life as well as physical life as well. And so, um, man, just, a, just an exciting, sweet morning. I've been looking forward to that for a really long time. It got postponed a little bit uh, because of the stuff going on and COVID and those sorts of things, but we are uh, really excited about that. And so, uh, if you would, turn in your Bibles, turn in your Bibles to First Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. Uh, we are continuing on in our series entitled Sign Me Up. Now, we took a two-week hiatus. One of those weeks was planned. One was not so planned. Uh, it, by the way, it's nice to see everybody. I feel like I've been backslidden the last month, uh, but it's nice to finally be back in, uh, in church, uh, and uh, we appreciate the prayers our family. Everybody's doing, uh, doing great. Uh, we were about ready to kill each other at one point, but we, we all survived. COVID, if COVID, COVID didn't get us, but we might have done in each other uh, at one point. Um, but I've learned a lot through this. One of those things is how much I appreciate what my wife does on a day-in and day-out basis. And so I come and go in the house, and she stays there uh, training up our kids. And such an amazing thing. Just a baby dedication service is such a reminder of the responsibility that's placed on us uh, to be the people that God has called us to be, uh, to set that tone and set that standard for our families. But we're continuing the, the series and Sign Me Up. And uh, the last four weeks, I guess beginning six weeks ago, we were in the book of ha um, Haggai, and we were talking all about the principles of service and principles of leadership and what it means and what is necessary to remember as we look at plugging into the kingdom work that God has for each and every person in this room. Um, today, we're going to take a practical turn towards spiritual gifting. Uh, we want to give you something practical, more than just concepts to kind of uh, just to tag here and there. We want to be able to give you some action steps on what God has called you to do as the body and the blood of Christ, and so and the bride of Christ. And so today we're going to talk about the theology of the gifts. Next week we're going to talk about the types, and there's a lot of types. But we're going to talk today about the theology. As I began studying spiritual gifting, sometime back, but really specifically in these last few weeks as I was preparing for this message, uh, God's word is very, very clear. They're very specific about about our, uh, our, the, uh, the role that the parents are to play, about the, the roles that we are to play as a body of Christ. And so they address it in a very systematic way. And so what I want to give you first, if you're tracking along with us, I want to give you the four primary texts that we get spiritual gifting from. And so if you'd like, if you're taking notes with us, by the way, any, any uh, children, y'all are more than welcome to stay here with your families, but I know some parents, uh, we do have preschool available, so if you would like to take your child, you're more than welcome to do that. Don't feel any pressure or anything, but we, uh, we do have that available if you would like some of those babies that have been dedicated. Y'all are more than welcome to take advantage of that. But the, there's four primary texts that we use. We'll be in one this week, uh, this week in 1 Peter chapter 4. Next is Romans chapter 12. Next week, we'll be spending our time in Romans chapter 12. 
Uh, but through both of these weeks, you'll be hearing a lot from 1 Corinthians 12. So we've got 1 Peter 4, Romans 12, and then 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And then fourthly and finally, Ephesians chapter 4. These are the main primary texts when we deal with spiritual gifting that specifically details how us as the church, how we walk through uh, spiritual gifting. And, and so here's, here's what I've determined in my studies and in my thinking, I, I have determined that for spiritual gifting, most people understand where they're talented. Most people understand where they have a, a certain ability or, or personality trait that lends itself to a certain strength. Right? People know if they're outspoken or if they're more reserved. You can guess what I am. There are some people that... Understand, there are people that understand that they are very organized. And then there's people like me that fly by the seat of our pants. We know that about ourselves. We know what strengths come along with that. But gifting is something larger than just a talent or an ability. See, in a talent or ability, we can muster on our own. But God has uniquely gifted everyone in this room. If you have a relationship with Christ, God has given you a spiritual gift. And it's to be used. The, the, the goal of the spiritual gift is to be used to the glory of God, but to the betterment of the church. And so in order to lay out a theology, we need to understand the pattern that each one of these texts typically follow. And this is what they do. They always address each one of these texts. 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, Romans 12, and 1 Peter 4 all have a certain cadence that they go by. They begin with asking questions about the how. How do we, as believers, operate within our spiritual gifting? What does that look like? What is the posture that we should take? What's the, the, the way that we should view this? The how question is addressed. The second thing that every one of these texts address is what? What is a spiritual gift? Now, I tend to believe that these lists that we will go through next week, the types of spiritual gifts, are not an exhaustive list. Now, I am not... Uh, many people would disagree with that, but I believe that it is... Uh, these are guidelines to follow. It is not the only spiritual gifts, but it is a great indicator, at least to provide us with a direction of where God has gifted us to lead in His church, to serve in His church. So they always address the question of what? The third and final question they always seek to answer is why? Why do I want to operate within my spiritual gifting? Why do I want to do that? Why is that important? What's the, the purpose behind it all? And so we'll find that in 1 Peter 4, but we're going to find that in these other texts as well. And so I'll be supplementing parts of these passages in, in, in our text as we go. But the first thing I want to look at is the how question. All right? Is the how question. It's a question of posture. Of posture. What does it mean? How, how are we to posture ourselves as we talk about our spiritual gifting? In 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 8, I want to begin reading here, and this is what it says, Above all. Now, you know what above all means in the Greek? Above all. Above all. That's what it means, right? It's clear. Above everything else, keep loving one another earnestly. Since love covers a multitude 
of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. And as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. First thing that we need to understand about our giftings, about our spiritual gift. Now, you can have physical gifts, but what we need to understand about our spiritual gifting is, number one, that, that our gifting, it necessitates us thinking others first. If you are to operate in a spiritual gifting, you must, in that spiritual gifting, be thinking about others before yourself. I think we understand what we're good at. We understand where we're talented. We understand what we bring to the table in a physical standpoint. But how tragic is it that many of us miss the spiritual ramifications for how God put us together to serve in his church? We don't draw that Parallel. And so, and so if we're going to operate in our gifts, we have to think others first. I think that may be the biggest disconnect to how we live our life. Sure, we understand that we should put each other's needs above our own. As a philosophical concept, we understand that, do we not? We need to put others above ourselves. We don't need to be selfish. Right? But as I learned in my, in my leadership group that I teach on Wednesday nights, sometimes selfishness is the easiest thing to see in others, but it's the hardest thing to see in yourself. Right? Practically, our lives don't reflect that we philosophically believe that others' needs are more important than ourselves. We live with a me-first mentality. We live with, let me meet my needs, and if there's leftover, then I'll meet the needs of someone else. But spiritual gifting requires that you think others first. Listen to verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As you have received a gift, immediately upon receiving a gift. Now, uh, I don't know about you, but my kids receive a lot of gifts. They received a lot of souvenirs while we were in Gatlinburg, right? Received a lot of souvenirs. And you know what my son never, neither one of my sons ever thought of, and certainly not my daughter. They never thought, how can I use this to better my siblings, They never thought that. Why? Because that gift was for them. And it's in the nature of a gift, of a physical gift, right, to meet our own needs. But for a spiritual gift, it begins with a other's first mentality. And so, as a result, having received a gift, use it to serve one another. This is what Peter is saying here. To serve one another. We have to think others first. The word serve here is the verb tense of diakonos, which is where we get the word deacon, right? Or servant in the church. Now, many churches, we've made deacon, the, the office of deacon, something that it's not. It's defined by its service. It's defined by its function, not its power, not its position of power. But this is the word tense that we have. The word is literally a minister, that we see the needs of others and we minister to those needs. I have received a gift. I have received something. And I recognize that others need what I have received. And so I immediately begin to employ it serving others. But you see, this isn't about just church either. This isn't just about serving in a local body of believers. Man, this this could equate as on our baby dedication Sunday, man, this holds true in the home as well. As each has received a gift, use it ministering to one another. 
Do we think about the things that we've been giving as opportunities for us to minister to one another? Do we, we see it as an opportunity? Listen, this local body of believers is important. Scripture dictates that we meet together. But I want you to know there's a body of believers, hopefully, that you go home to every single night that is even more important than this body of believers. Right? I pray that your children, I pray that your spouses, I pray that your family members have a relationship with Christ and that you are growing each other together. You know what's the most exciting thing being a pastor at Lindsay Lane North? Is seeing how differently responses look within the family. We've got families that needed, that needed to respond and wanted to become members and that was just transferring the letters. Then we've got others that need to be baptized. We've got others that need to be saved and then baptized. Why? What are we doing? We're restoring church and homes too. It's not just about being in Lindsay Lane North or the church down the street. You know what I've found in all my time of counseling, whether in student ministry or pastoral ministries? Typically, when there's a problem in the home, it's because somebody has become selfish. Now, whether, that, whether that's a wayward son or daughter, or whether that's a mom or a dad that have gone outside the confines of marriage, or maybe because expectations weren't met in marriage, they decided to get selfish. And through whatever reason, somebody began to think of themselves over the needs of their family. See, this can equate to every area of our life, even into our families. And so if we're going to be a healthy church, we're going to have to be a church full of healthy families. right? But we can't miss the motivation. We can't forget that the motivation of this is love. What does it say there in verse 10? Or excuse me, in verse 8, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Right? Why do we discipline our kids, parents? To make ourselves feel better? Hope not. Love to say that's never happened. Uh, don't know that that's accurate. But why? We don't want to harm them. We want to better them. And so love disciplines. You know what we hear in the church all the time? And some of you have friends right now that you could name by name that maybe are going through this process. Somebody that's been involved in a church, someone that's been on fire for the Lord, and they go through a, you go through a course of time and, and you know a wheel has fallen off of their spiritual life, right? You know that they are going a direction that is less than desirable, right? And then here's what happens. Sometime down the future, something happens, a moral failure uh, or, or some, catac- some cataclysmic event in their life. And you know what we have the audacity to say? I saw it coming. Saw that coming a mile away. Well, I coined this phrase back in student ministry. If you saw it coming, then it's on you because you should have been a-going. You should have been going to the one. Why? Because Not because it. well, that's none of my business. It is if they're a part of the same body that you have. Do you think that my hand is affected when my foot doesn't function properly? Do you think that my foot functions properly when my hand doesn't function properly? It's part of the same body. And so when one body part is ineffective, the whole body is less Affected, and we don't do it out of we don't do it because we you know we're ready to get someone got right. We're going to tell them off and tell them all the stuff they've done wrong. We do it in love. Why? So that every part of the body can function as God has designed for it to function. This is the posture that we take, loving one another. Let me tell you something. 
Love covers a multitude of sin. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus proved that love covers a multitude of sin. I don't care what you walked in here with. I want you to know love covered my sin. Covered my waywardness. Covered my rebellion. Love covered sin for me. And love can cover sin for you. And we as the church begin to operate in that function, right? That we take the posture of humility and out of love. But listen to what it says. Your spiritual gift is not for individual enjoyment, but incorporated employment. It's not for individual enjoyment, but incorporated employment. What do we, what do, we do? A lot of people we've seen take, take gifting, take talents and take, some, take abilities and use them to selfish gains. But a spiritual gift is different. If you have a spiritual gift, you are using it for the betterment of the church. As it says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Listen to Ephesians chapter 4. If you've got time, you can turn there. Ephesians chapter 4, as we, as we bounce off of Scripture, as we begin to see how the theology of the Scriptures, we talk about the how, the posture of gifting. Let's see how Ephesians handles it in verse 12. We are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Why do we employ our spiritual gifts for one another? So that we can all look like Jesus. Does anyone in this room look like Jesus? Me neither. But I'm working on it. And for us to be employed to use our gift to build each other up until we are all made like Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and by craftiness in deceitful schemes. That we would be mature, that we would be rooted, that we'd be able to determine what is right and what is wrong, that we would be able to pursue Christ and pursue the right path. Why? Through operating. How? Through operating in our spiritual gifting. So why is the church today not working as effectively as it should? Because the individual members of the body are not using their gifts to capacity. And I want to say this, in a room full of people, those listening online... Significant statement. Your gifting, your spiritual gifting may not best be used at Lindsay Lane North. It may not. Why do people join churches today? I mean, we hear it all the time, and I like the worship style. We, uh, we, we enjoy the teaching. Um, we, you know, think the pastor's really attractive. I'm just kidding. Um, but all my wife, thank you. That was nice. My wife agreed. Uh, we have heard all of these things, and they all revolve around preference. And listen, if, if you join a church on preference, you're not doing anything wrong. But if you stay at the church because of your preference, you are doing something wrong. What if people join the church not based on their personal preference and what they like, but how they could be most used for kingdom glory? Yeah, I like what y'all are doing, but 
this church down the road needs my gifting. They need to be used. And listen, if you will operate in your gifting, the body of Christ, not individual local pockets of believers that are gathered in buildings throughout the area, but the body of Christ will be better and more effective as a result of you living in your gifting. But it requires you think others first. Man, a, a, a move to join based on preference can be scary at times. As a pastor, because if preference got you here, it's going to have to keep you here. And preference doesn't have lasting power, but ministry does. Ministry and getting active and employed in what God is doing in your life and how he is using you to make a difference, to make heaven sweeter, to, to push back the kingdom of darkness. This is what God has called us to do, but it requires we think others first. Secondly, let's look at position. Let's look at our position, the what if you will, of our gifting. Now, 1 Peter 4 is not a great place to go to get a long list of spiritual gifts, but we do have some subcategories here. Listen to what it says. As good stewards of God's varied grace. Remember what he said up in uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Whether you are out front in leadership or you are behind the scenes serving, do it for the betterment of the church. Do it out of the strength that God supplies. Listen to this in your notes. If God has given you a saving grace... If he has given you his grace and you are a child of God, you've begun a relationship with him in this room. There's been a time where you've turned from your sin and you surrendered your life to Christ. If he has given you a saving grace, then he is also giving you a spiritual gift. Every one of us, if you are a child of God, you have a spiritual gift. And there's two that are mentioned here, right? Speaking and serving. Now, as we talk next week, you'll see that this list grows, right? These are big categories, and a lot of them fit underneath it. But whatever you're doing, do it as oracles of God or through the strength that God provides as good stewards of God's grace. You know what I pray? I pray for my life, as Paul said, that God's grace toward me would not be in vain. Well, what does that mean? Paul was saying, I want to live my life in such a way that I am not a reservoir of God's grace. I am not the end point of God's grace, that God's grace has flown to me and it is stagnant in me. I desire to be a conduit of God's grace, that God's grace pours through me so that it can head to someone else. I want, to, I want God to get a return on the grace that he's given me. And listen, the best I have is dirty rags. I'm not saying that I'm going to mount up to anything. But what I'm saying is I desire for God to get a return on the investment of his grace that he's given me. So I want to be active in things that matter and have eternal significance to him. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 
We get the same idea from the Apostle Paul. First, Peter has talked to us about it in, verse, in chapter 4, verse 10. But listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 4. Now, there are various varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common Good. Why does God spend time giving us gifting so that we can use it toward others? Now, I have never been confused for a handyman. It's just not. I'm not. I'm not a handyman. I, my idea of fixing something is knowing somebody who can fix it. Right? That, that's just how I am. My wife had to come to grips with that. She had a very handy father, and she has a very unhandy husband. All right? Um, and, and so... It's, it's hilarious to me that God would see fit for me to renovate one of the most extensive renovations I've ever seen in a church, to renovate a church that we are now meeting in. I think it's hilarious. Um, by the way, if anything falls off of anything as you're walking out, just blame it on me. That's fine, right? But it's amazing how God has, has used that because, and then what did I do? As soon as I got done renovating a church, I decided to renovate a house, right? And so I'm not a handy man, but here's what I've, I've learned, I've learned for a long period of time in my life, my, I, was, I was trying to fix things with my hands, one hand tied behind my back. This is the pretty much sum total of the tools that I've accumulated in life. Now, I've got a few power tools and things like that, but Josh Kaufman can tell you I'm always borrowing stuff from him. Uh, reminds me of my good friend Larry Brzezette, right? Larry Brzezette, the man that's got all tools, and uh, I use them extensively. And believe me, a lot of this renovation happened on his tools. Uh, but here's what I've learned about tools. Every tool is designed for a specific purpose. And a lot of times I would try to fix something without realizing I didn't have the tools for the job. Right? These are needle-nose pliers. And if you ever have tried to use conventional pliers to reach something that you can only reach with needle-nose pliers, it is maddening. It is so frustrating. Why? Because these were created by its creator for a specific purpose, to reach down where these can't reach and to get that. But if you're also trying to, to get some leverage on it, these are the ones that you want if you've got room to use them, right? But these serve a purpose. There's a variety of different drivers that we use in a tool set, right? We got a hammer for the nails. We got a screwdriver for the screws, have you ever been working on something and seen a screw that was just a little out? They were just, just taken out a little bit like, man, I'm on, my kid's going to catch the little foot on it. And let me just, and you, you had a hammer in your hand, you didn't have a screwdriver, and you just didn't want to go get a screwdriver, right? And you, what do you do? You try, don't you? It don't work, but you try. Just, just a quarter inch, just wham, right? How many of you have done this? You've been putting together one of them play school t uh, toys, which Lord help us all on those. You know, Christmas Eve and all, you're, you're working until the wee hours in the morning. And what happens? You see, a, you see something that's off just a, a little bit. Right? I just I need to push this in. You take the end of that screwdriver, and what do you do? Whack! Right? As hard as you can, it boogers up your screwdriver, but you, know, you didn't want to get up and get the hammer. You're using tools that are not designed for that purpose. And so the results of that is ineffectivity. It's not as effective. It's not as efficient. Why? Because you're not using the right tool for the job. Listen, today when I got to church, I hung a poster using this laser level. Now, if I'd have just used my hammer and nail, I'd have had a problem, right? I'd be making multiple holes in our house and then all of those sorts, uh, in the church and all sorts of things, but I used this for a purpose. 
Measure and take. All of these things have a specific purpose. And here's my thought. Here's my thought about the kingdom of God. I wonder how effectively the kingdom of God would move in Elkmont, Alabama if God had all the tools that he needed to work with. Now, we serve an infinite God. And that's an an oversimplification of a major concept. God is sovereign and he's in control. But what if for Lindsay Lane North, there's somebody who could be a tool that we desperately need to be effective and to, to finish King God's kingdom glory, to, to move forward, but we're one hand is tied behind our back. We're vastly limited to do the work that we've been called to do because people are not working in their gifting. Can you be used by God? Are you, being, are you being used by Him? Are you operating in your spiritual gift? This is the idea of spiritual gifting. And so how about you? Are you serving? That There's positions that we have. There's ways that you can get involved, right? Allow God to use you to be most effective. But what typically happens is someone who will, set, will do it does it, but they do it less effective and it burns them out because they don't like to do it. They don't want to do it. They're not gifted to do it. And so the church works ineffectively as a result. But thirdly and finally, let's talk about purpose. Because ultimately, I can tell you all day long, the church needs you. Whether it's us, whether it's the church down the road, the body of Christ needs you. I can say it all day long. But until this purpose rings true in your heart and moves you to obedience, nothing will change. Listen to what it says in verse 11 of 1 Peter chapter 4. In order that in everything God may be glorified. In order, let us use our gifting, let us serve, let us speak so that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Do you know why gifting, why spiritual gifting can't be about you? Because it didn't come from you. This is different than a talent, right? We used the example of Tim Tebow last service, and we'll do it again, right? Tim Tebow can play football. He's got a talent, right? Maybe not as effectively at the highest level, but he's got a talent, right? And his talent won him some popularity. But listen, there are athletes out the door that claim an association with Jesus. What's the difference? What happened there? It's at some point, Tim Tebow realized that he could leverage his ability toward kingdom purpose. It became a spiritual gift. Not football, but how he utilized it became a spiritual gift. We've got talented people in the church. We've got talented people everywhere, but because they're not, they've made, there's a disconnect between physical talent and physical ability and spiritual potential where they never recognize how they can contribute to the kingdom of God. We miss it. But God's glory is the end result of your gifting. Talent can, be, can come from you. Man, but spiritual gifting can't. Just like the fruit of the Spirit can only come through God, 
can only come through the Spirit of God, can only come through the work that God does in your heart through the Holy Spirit. In the same way, spiritual gifting is given to you. But if you have a relationship with Christ, saving grace means that you have a spiritual gift. Are you using it? Can God use you in the kingdom of God? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? If you're here today, I don't want you to hear that you need to do, do, do for Jesus. Because that's not motivated by itself. That's motivated by self. Spiritual gifting can only come when you have a relationship with Christ through the Holy Spirit. And so if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Christ, you're the most important person in this room. You're the most important person there at home. If you need to make a decision for Christ, if you want to operate in this spiritual gifting that God has called you to live in, it begins with a yes to Jesus. Has there ever been a time in your life where you confessed your sins to Christ? Where you believed on Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Believed in His finished work? It's not about you working. It's about the finished work that He's accomplished. Believing in His finished work by faith that you responded in obedience to Him. If that's never happened in your life, I want you to know that you don't have a relationship with Jesus. But we've got counselors, and we want to give you an opportunity right now to respond to Jesus in salvation. So if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Christ, man, this invitation is for you. We're not going to tear, we're not going to spend a lot of time, but if you need to make a decision for Christ, you can make it even now as I'm talking, you can make it. We've got counselors in the front of the room, would love to talk to you about how you can know that you have a relationship with Jesus. And you can just stand up right where you are, make your way to one of these counselors, we would love to talk to you about the decision that you need to make for Jesus today. But listen, maybe you know that you're a child of God, but maybe you need, maybe you need, as you, as you saw Billy's example, maybe you need to follow Christ in baptism. Maybe you need to, uh, identify yourself in the body of believers. Maybe you need to join Lindsay Lane North. Maybe you need to be a part of a ministry team that we provide here. This invitation is open to any decision that you need to make. I would pray that you would respond in obedience today. Father, give us boldness, give us strength to respond to you and to your invitation. In Christ's name we pray, amen. With heads and hearts still bowed, would you, would you just respond? Nobody looking around. This is a safe place. Would you just respond? Would you stand to your feet? Come find one of these counselors. Let them know that you need to make a decision for Jesus. Would you do that today? Is there anyone in the room? Just stand to your feet. I need to make a decision. I need to commit my life. Whatever decision is needed to be made, would you just respond in obedience to the Lord today? No one looking around. Anyone else? Is there anyone else? I need to make a decision to follow Christ as Lord today. I need to make a decision to uh, be baptized today. I need to make a decision uh, to join Lindsay Lane, the ministries that we offer here. Whatever it is, I pray that you would respond in this moment. Is there anyone else? Anyone else? Would you respond? The second thing that I'll tell you is if you're listening online 
or you're here in this room, when you came in, hopefully you received a Connect card. On that Connect card is a way that you can respond as well. You can let us know if you made a decision for Christ today, whatever that decision may be, or if you need to talk to a pastor about it, you can let us know. In those bulletins are Connect cards. Fill out that information, put, drop it in the offering bucket on your way out. We would love to follow up with you this week. If you're listening online, text the phrase North Connect to 31996, and you will be... Uh, immediately give, put into our uh, Connect card there. You fill out that, that card. It's the exact same thing, just a digital version of what they have in person today. But don't let this moment slip by without doing business with the Lord today as he leads. Father, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for your invitation. And God, we thank you for the opportunity to respond. Let us do that. Let us respond in obedience to you this week, today. Lord, because we're not promised tomorrow. God, we love you and we thank you for all that you do for us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.